0: This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture X Card. Earn unlimited 2X miles on everything you buy. Plus, get access to a $300 annual credit for bookings through Capital One Travel. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. Details at CapitalOne.com.
1: Okay, Anna, let me tell you a story. Let me set the scene. Okay? Tell
2: me, Felix.
1: In late 2018, I was told about this musician in Cuba that was shaking things up Literally. He was described to me as a mix between James Brown, Sly Stone, and Cuban big band singer Benny Moré. Fast forward one year. I'm at the South by Southwest Music Festival in Austin in 2019. I was going to present a show, and I included them on a showcase that Friday night. Wednesday night, I went to go see him perform at another venue. I was floored. I was stunned. All the years I've been going to South by Southwest, it was the first time I was completely laid out. So when he did our show Friday night, there was a line down the block, his word had gotten out, and he came out with his band and killed. And it's everything they said. James Brown, Sly Stone. Benny More, Cuban music, funk, Afro Cuban music, rhythms, everything. The guy's name is Sima Funk, and that's who we're gonna talk to this week.
2: bragging to me about all the really cool shows that you get to go to and that's what made me feel so excited to see Seema Funk when he played at the NPR Music 15 year anniversary show. And you're a 100% right, I mean the way that his band just absolutely kills. They are incredible, it is like you cannot be in the room with them without going wild dancing and i swear it's it's all him he's just got the rhythm in him
1: it's part of that continuum that flow of afro cuban music that starts in cuba then ends up mixing with music here in the united states it happened in the 50s with jazz it happened in the 60s with other forms of funk and rock and stuff sima funk is part of that trajectory
2: and he's really consciously part of that trajectory no
1: you're right he's very conscious of his african roots in fact his name sima funk is a combination of cimarron which is a historic name for enslaved people who ran away and started their own small little secret towns in the hills after they escaped and then funk he's enamored he's in love with 70s funk and that name just brings all of that together and in fact closes a circle on the african diaspora between the united states and from the caribbean so he's very very dedicated to telling that story, that history, well, you dance your ass off. Let's just jump right into the interview.
2: So I feel like I'm crashing the party a little bit because you guys have a special connection and had a little bit of a crazy night last night because you, Felix, played (laughs) with Sema Funk. Yeah. And that's not your first time, is it?
1: No, it's a couple of times already with the... With the band, they've been very gracious to let allow me to share their wonderful magic. <laughs> it is. It's, it's,
2: it's so a I'm lot of fun. interviewing both of you. <laughs> okay. You're both coming yeah, in as the know. musicians today. <laughs> oh, this is Sima underwater. Funk and his conguero. <laughs> the one and only. <laughs> And you guys were talking on on our way up here. You were talking about some drummers. What were you talking about?
1: We were talking about some of the cross-fertilization between African-American drummers here in the United States and the Afro-Cuban music and how some of the African-American drummers were studying Afro-Cuban music and then incorporated it into what they were doing. And then also Mm -hmm. how some of the R&B drummers the conga players ended up adapting the conga parts to the R&B drummers. Mm-hmm. Mm. So it's it's a, really, it's a very strong, especially during the Boogaloo era in 1960, uh, mid-60s, early 60s, and then how it transferred over to Motown. We were talking about Marvin Gaye, what's going mm. on. Those conga parts reflect a cross-fertilization of mm. Afro-Cuban and Afro- mm. african American.
3: It's a, it's a beautiful song, and I'm a big fan of Marvin.
0: Mm-hmm. But yeah,
3: it's what Felix says. It's so much of Afro-Cuban there, and mm-hmm. you feel it in the in the groove, especially in the bridge. When they made the bridge, mm-hmm. they are making this this playing with the congas, mm-hmm. and they don't don't shut up the 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 heat of the conga. They do all open. Uh-huh. And now talking with Felix, we just get to that to that conclusion. And they was playing drum with the, the congas. So he was telling me like a beat. Mm. With the Congress, so it's it's great how they was doing that in that time because it was really strong the the afro cuban movement and all the African mm. movement and group that was developed in the in the States. So it's it's great. Marvin Gaye was the pop guy from all of that.
2: Wow. It was you, the sweetness. Do you feel like a lot of people are aware of that crossover? You both kind of have.
3: No, but uh, but they feel it. They feel yeah. it. Yeah. Sometimes they don't know. But you feel it, and that's really interesting and beautiful when you don't realize the things, but at some moment you bang, you see and you, ask, you say like, yeah, I've been feeling that since always. And that happened to me. Mm-hmm. I wasn't aware of oh, how big was the roots of the Afro-Cuban music mm-hmm. in the whole uh, growth of the danceable mm-hmm. music in America. And mm-hmm. I was just doing music i my things and doing my sings but once I start to know more and see more information and trying to understand the coincidence I realized that mm. that we have been everywhere mm. the group of the of the Afro Cuban vibe have been everywhere uh, for a long so that's beautiful when you discover that you see like yes it's great
2: What what did you start with then con con Afro Cuban beats <clears throat> like what was your original what was the music that you felt you had to express first
3: Well the first the first, first songs that I made was Christian songs, nothing to do with that. <laughs> it's a different type of of songs, all ballad and sing. I was singing in a chair like super calm. and then I start to make, I start to write, but really small things. But in reggaeton, in my school before mm-hmm. the university, mm-hmm. it was the you know the, the fashion time of the reggaeton for the girls and sing. You you just put your band of reggaeton together and you got all and. And, but yes, was after all that, I started to, wrote, to write more with conscience. And, and I was writing Trova. Mm-hmm. But also focusing on the salsa and, and the song, these kind of things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I've been writing many, many things around around music, but always the Afro Cuba have been in the house. We have been listening bam bam. We have been listening to mm. a we have been listening a kere all day long. So it's Chanangana Pupi. So we got this, we got this since we kids. So the, the bands you mentioned right now,
1: those are all bands that came along in Cuba maybe around the nineties or so, right? Yeah. But they were also absorbing and influencing
3: rhythms and, and beats from the United States. They were incorporating Definitely. funk and everything. Definitely. Iragere, I hear, when I when I start to hear funk and, and I was like, I know this for some places, especially the percussion. And when I back to Iragere again, it was amazing. Mm. It's amazing how they was cooking that and was really acid and speed funk mm. with the horns and crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. And also Bamban, Bamban was making, for me, was making all this Movement with the with the strings and with the and with the horns, and uh, you got all the Beatles vibe in the mm-hmm. trombone and in the and in the string too, and at the same time you got the rhythm change because it was Sango was he was doing? Yeah, that is mm-hmm. another type of thing, and you you feel all the influence, but it's another thing. It's another thing. So uh, I grew up listening to that music and that that influence. It made me like understand a lot of things, especially today. Because when I listen to that music today, I just feel that it's hundred percent connect to all that is happening now and all what is was happening before.
2: You were always listening to this music, but was there a moment for you when you decided you wanted to incorporate a lot of these sounds that you're talking about in your own music? Did it feel natural? Was there a moment? Was it a time? What?
3: when I do that more conscious, was the beginning of, of my solo career. I start with the band that I was working that was calling Los Boys. And I was, I, I remember that I was in, in Le Menu. It's like a ski camp in France. So I was in that cold moment, and stuff started doing a ski the whole day, like obsessed with that. And when I arrived to the, to the house, I was calm in the living room. And I started to make this song called Revuelto. Lento me despierto. Ella está cerca, yo contento. Calor por fuera y amor por dentro. Ay de la vida, los buenos momentos. Entra el sol por la ventana, cantanaves en las ramas vivo dentro de un poema que se escribe en una cama. Mamá, que estás haciendo me siento revuelto, no entiendo que es esto. I made the whole song in one hour, two hours. I was like, yo, it's, it's beautiful song. I should make more songs like that. And the person that was with me there in the camp, she told me, you should make an album. You should make an album with the song. I was like, yo, are you sure? She said, yeah, yeah, you should make more and more more songs. Said, OK, let's make an album. Then we back to Paris and we was living in the apartment and I was making songs all day, all day. But I wasn't focused on the rhythm. I wasn't focused on nothing. I, just was, I was just creating the songs. Some idea came to me, and I put the rhythm in the guitar, and I put that, and this go up, grow, and I, I start to put more rhythm and stuff. But nothing was conscious. My boy, for example, I was listening a lot of Fela Kuti. In that moment, I get crazy with Fela, and I get crazy with... Ta-ta, 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 all this groove of Fela, and, and the chorus, and the... Chakara,
0: chakara, 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 this
3: kind of energy. So I start to trying to understand the groove, and trying to play that kind of groove. And I start to play with the kick and the tempo, all the time, all, I put the uh, la clave, that kind of clave. And I start to put a couple elements, and without notes, without knowing, I end up making like a Afro-Cuban song, like a, some pilons, some stuff like that. And once I get that rhythm, I was like, this is no longer fair, I just go another way. <laughs>
1: So I'm trying to picture this circle. So it's it's Cuban music by way of Nigeria with Fela, and then it comes out sounding U.S. funk. And yeah.
2: don't forget, but he's in Paris.
3: And he's in Paris. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was a crazy combination. It was a
2: yeah.
1: really special
3: yeah. moment. Then I end up the album in Cuba. i back to Cuba. I rent an apartment. And I was wow. just cooking songs every day, all day long. All my friends coming to the apartment, everybody just coming there to record, all the ones to hear the music. Mm. I just cooked the whole album in that place and I finished it. And after that, everything started to happen.
2: Being in Paris at the time, mm. how long had you been there? Because you mentioned how you you you're know, you were pulling from all these different mm. sounds, none of which were like where you were from. Mm. Like You weren't initially set out to be like, I'm going to make Afro-Cuban beats so did it feel kind of like a coming home for you to when it came out like that? Like, I, were you expecting that?
3: Yeah, well, I, no, it doesn't matter where I've been. I, I've been traveling since 2015, since God and, and life and music. I've been traveling and I never feel in home anywhere. <laughs> just feeling home in Cuba. So I, it doesn't matter if in Paris or whatever. It's just I, I realized that I got to do something that I know how to do. And it's nothing else that I can, I can understand better than the scenes that mm. I grew up with. All the sounds that I grew up with, all that scene, I try to keep attached to that. It doesn't matter where I am.
2: Mm.
3: It doesn't matter where I'm going to create or stuff. I try to keep that. That's the weapon.
2: The music is home for you. That's how you mm. bring home with you. Right.
3: Yeah.
1: I, I interviewed a Brazilian musician once who had been in New York for you know 25 years. And he said that he never felt more Brazilian until he was out of Brazil mm. and had to call it from within himself yeah, to create that music. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. That's it, happened.
2: Yeah, it's like the thing that lives within you, mm-hmm. you have to put it out there because that's you have to build that somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah.
1: What's fascinating to me is how mathematically, you know, music is numbers, music is math, right? Mm-hmm. But mathematically, the R&B and funk, works with the Cuban beats and rhythms, right? The the clave, right? They fit perfectly. They superimpose over each other perfectly. Mm -hmm. And like you said, NG La Banda, uh, Los Van Van, some of those bands experimented with that. And we're very, very successful with that. Definitely. Yeah.
3: That's universal.
1: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I think that's the key, and that's the magic, and that's what makes that music work and and your music work is the fact that the numbers match up, you Mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. Musically, Mm -hmm. it, it, it... it matches up. Slightly different emphasis on different beats, right? Mm-hmm. And when you put them together, it just it's unstoppable. Yeah, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: We're taking a quick break from this interview. We'll be back with the good stuff in just a moment.
0: This message comes from NPR sponsor, Mass Mutual. According to calendar.com, the average person schedules just 4.5 hours per year on finances. Mass Mutual gets it. Life is busy. If you can't find time to plan your financial future, find someone who can, like a MassMutual financial professional. For the last 170 years, they've helped people plan for retirement, college tuition, and any other short- or long-term financial goals. Learn more at MassMutual.com. This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture Card earn unlimited 2x miles on every purchase. Plus, earn unlimited 5x miles on hotels and rental cars booked through Capital One Travel. Your next trip is closer than you think with the Venture Card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Progressive, and it's Name Your Price Tool. Say how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show coverage options within your budget. Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: On Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, we have very important people on our show and then ask them about very unimportant things. Here's U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. Uh, We are also reliably informed... That among your enthusiasms, in addition to a macroeconomic policy, is mobile games.
3: Uh, there is some truth in that.
2: There's some truth in that. Join us for the NPR podcast that considers all the other things. That's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me.
1: That's what I was saying before when we were talking. When I've had the great opportunity to play with you guys, I can listen to the drummer, I can listen to the you know the other percussionist. I can listen to the bass player and the guitar player. Everybody's playing at some point. They're they're either playing a Cuban style or they're playing funk mm. or they're playing. So I I can play a conga beat that's like like a Cuban style. Mm. I can play a conga beat that's R and B style, and it all fits. It all works perfectly, mm-hmm. and it, all at the same time. Yeah, that's mm. what's so magic mm-hmm. about it, man. Yeah,
3: that's great. Now, mm. that having with the cha cha cha? Yeah, on the funk. Yeah. And you'll be like, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And you got the... like, like uh, a cousin's.
2: You are just buzzing with rhythm. It makes so much sense to me. Even sitting here with you now, like, I'm just like feeling that. And like, every single person I think who was watching you last night was like, oh my God, you can't listen to your music and not want to dance. And I think that now listening. To you and knowing you and, and putting all those things together, it makes sense that you would be the person that fits all of the things together so seamlessly, all of these beats. And do you feel that in yourself? Like, was there something growing up, like, in your life that were you always this person? Who just, always. Always is, yeah. something,
3: always is something happening in life. And that's good. Mm-hmm. That's good because we are translating music. The show is the best part. The show is, is the moment of release yourself. Mm. Of all, so everything just like in that place, just part of the tribe, we are, just, we are all together in that the, the groove and the people get together too so we start to be bigger, bigger, bigger and, and that sensation is amazing, that feeling is amazing and always, always is the moment of growing, of growing in, in things and realising what is going on and being grateful for, for, for the people around.
1: Other part of that, and I'm glad you mentioned this. And for the people who are listening, go on YouTube and find some performances, some of your live performances, because the other part of this, there's the musicality, but there's also the dance, mm-hmm. right? You're an amazing dancer and movement within the context of what the music's happening, right? And it, when the first time I saw you at South by Southwest, what four years ago or so, like, I immediately thought of. Otis Redding from 1968 mm. like at the Monterey right or or James Brown at the Tammy show you know in 61 right it's like that's you have that energy but then also some Benny Moremos from Cuba right mm-hmm. you know what I mean so like that's part that's also part of the tradition in both the United States and in Cuba is the dance part of it yeah right? definitely Yeah, you grow
3: you grow in a house with the people dancing mm. my home my house everybody was dancing So it was, it's this kind of thing when you grow up dancing and all the time it was this confidence my cousin is a great dance of salsa. And my uncles too and they was competing in the streets mm. sometimes. Oh! Uh, what uh, <laughs> La I would
2: give yeah. to, to experience that.
3: Where in Cuba was this? Pina de Rio. Pina de Rio.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but you and you dance all the time. My uncle, for example, he danced dance too. He, he made all the dance moves because mm. he loved wow. his music. He was the one that introduced me Lenny Richie, Michael, and all this music, mm. and yeah, I've been seen and dancing all day long or you know, everywhere.
2: I can literally imagine it, little <laughs> yeah. you, yeah. Just. <laughs> yeah. It was
3: a little bit crazy.
2: <laughs> no, but you can see it. You you dance with that. There's no holding back. You you've got the almost like the childlike energy of just yeah, like I'm a, loving the music and I'm great just gonna it, dance. great
3: times. We put a speaker, big speaker, in my cousin's house. We put a big speaker in the in the portal. Mm-hmm. And the they, yeah, they put music there, and it was competing with us, with my cousin, the friends of the name, who was competing in, in dance all day, <laughs> every afternoon. I was like, yeah, competing there. Also, it was a really good time, yeah. Mm.
1: So it goes back to the to African influence of all the dance, the movement, the singing, the call and response, all of that. Yeah. Definitely.
2: Does it feel different to you when you perform when you're, let's say, performing in Cuba versus performing in the U.S. to a crowd that feels like there's, let's say, in Cuba you're performing to a bunch of Cubans and, and here you're performing maybe to more like African-Americans or people who maybe are responding. Are they responding to different parts of your music more? Like Yeah,
3: different? definitely. In Cuba it's different than in everywhere. Because that's that's everybody know the songs, yeah. everybody feel a, every every word of what I'm singing. Everybody feel that kind of of words and that kind of message. Everybody understanding perfectly, mm-hmm. and and everybody got their own part of of what they prefer to to flow. Because for example, in Cuba, my uh, the 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 crowd, the fan the fan base, is super uh, different. Mm-hmm. You can go to a show and and see people from. 40s, forties, sixties, uh, twenty, thirty, uh, eighteen, uh, like this cat. this range is like a lot of people from every mm-hmm. from every age and and everybody does on their way in their moment. And here in the state is almost the same, just that the people got more reaction on the on the on the one. Mm. And it's natural because it's more the funk and that's the people got inside here more than that we got there in Cuba. So every time that we hit the one, the people feel it in the sample from, wow. with the Relahao, with the caramelo, with phone aspirin, for example, from the Alimento, they you feel the people just hit <laughs> hitting the one and, and, and jamming with that. Yeah, it's a really nice reaction. In Europe is also awesome. in Europe is a is a it's a mix of both because they got the Afrobeat is really big there. Mm. So every time that you get in that <laughs> every time that you get there, the people yeah. just start to chill and you know this this hippie vibe and you feel it there with, with this groove specifically and then you grow up from there and you start to give them all of it, all this the rest of the scene but you give before that that food and they, they start to to deal with that and then you can give it every everything.
2: Wow, it's just
3: interesting. The, I the,
2: love that the
3: dance personalities of the country. I and know. I'm like, oh, you that's could what do I all. see. I don't know. I don't know you're feeling that way. If that's the way that I see, you know, I see them <laughs>
2: from I'm stage. I'm like, it is what? It's noon here. It's nine a.m. L.A. time, and all I want to do is go out dancing right now. Like that is <laughs> how I've been listening. So I'm like, okay, let's go. Vamos. <laughs> the, the body
3: ask you for that. Give it to
1: them.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I love that.
1: So we've been talking about all these connections to Africa through the music, through the dance, uh, through your experiences. Tell us about your name. Sima Funk is also a direct connection to your African culture and your heritage.
3: Mm. Well, yeah, definitely Sima uh, came from the Maroons, the, the 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 world uh, from Sima Run. and for us in Cuba is the Maroons, as you mm-hmm. say here, and for for me and for us in Cuba we, and. For, the people from Cuba we we believe that the Cimarron have a big influence in all the Afro Cuban behavior and the Afro Cuban culture in all things. And
1: e- explain what Cimarron is.
3: Ah okay. Yeah. <laughs> Cimarron was the slave that escaped from the house. The when in the slavery time, they was living in the in the house of the master well and outside of the house of the master but they was in chains and stuff the Cimarron find a way to escape from there. And uh, he ran into the forest. So it was a couple small village in Cuba. And pretty famous actually. When they they have like a small societies of smart rooms living there. And it was creating like a new way to live because it was different tribes from Africa getting there together. It was a really interesting way of life. It's not it's not a lot of documentation because they didn't know how to write. Mm-hmm. But it's many crazy histories, but it's other history more rais- reasonable. And yeah, it was really interesting for me seeing that people like creating the the base of the of the Afro Cuban, in freedom. So I take Sima from that, especially also from my my grand 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 parent that was a slave in Cuba. And, and once I start to get more in touch with all my my ancestors, I just get obsessed with that. And I say like I gotta that's that's my main thing. So I take Sima from that mm-hmm. and funk because it's. I tell you it's almost the same for me in the way that I see that the funk is the heritage from Africa. after all transformation from gospel, soul, R & b, all the, all this music style, the funk arrives and it's like a, the danceable crazy part of all these scenes and, and between the funk and the rumba, and the funk and the timba, all the danceable style from Cuba with the funk and there they feel like cousins. so for that reason, I take Sima funk. Before that, my name was Eric Funk.
2: <laughs> yeah the fun
3: is I've been always about Sima then I just get Sima I love it
2: do you feel like all of those different things like you're naming huge musical traditions and uh, traditions of people you're talking about these big things of your ancestors and all of the things that they've experienced like do you feel that in yourself like do you feel that weight in yourself and
3: yeah in certain certain way I seen yeah of course definitely definitely I just I, I I'm not focusing in conscience of the way that I feel about that but because I just I'm I'm part of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just one more. I'm in my room. And I just doing what the soul asked me and 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 it's part of that. It's, it's, it's also the music when when I put the first album it wasn't nothing like that happening in the in the environment in Cuba at that time. So everybody was running to doing something that everybody was saying like it was the 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 mainstream music at the moment. Uh, it was reggaeton or timba or yeah, mainly that too. So everybody was doing was running to doing reggaeton, and I was like, I want to do music, but I don't want to do what everybody's doing. I love funk and I love this. I'm gonna to try to do my a different scene for two reasons. One because I like it. I make reggaeton already. I like it now. This new. This new step, and two, because it's better for business because if now if everybody's running to that way, just go to another way because you're gonna be more you're gonna have more probabilities. Let's talk a little bit more about your
1: childhood and how the Cuban culture was connected to Africa and how you were raised. You mentioned your great 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 grandfather was was an, an enslaved person. How did Africa become real in your life as a kid?
3: We never talk about Africa in my home. Yeah, you know, which is, well, every time I remember that I was talking about Africa, was for because we got the, for the food, I was saying like, a, just say thank you because key African kids, they eat the small rice <laughs> from the floor. I was like, yo, this kid, this they, they really had a problem. <laughs> we fine. And that was the main reference to Africa, unfortunately, because we didn't have the, the information of, of for real what, what African is. But then I started to grow up. And I started to understand more, and I started to see the reality, and I was like, yo, that's great, because at the end, we grew up in that way. We grew up in a big family with the, my grandma, my mom, and the, the sister of my grandma, they was like uh, the main head of family. Every Sunday, everybody had to go to the house. Every day in the afternoon, my grandma, she, she had seven sons, and every son have to go, even if you live independent, you have to go every afternoon to see uh, to the house to see my grandma. You. Sure. But that kind of behaviour of tribe, we I grew up with that kind of flow, with that kind of mindset and spirit set. So today my we are a big family, we still like being a big family. Tribe, we still trying to keep that heritage of of be together, of be able to see each other, to to share each other, to to be together, supporting each other because that's the way that we grew up, and that was the way in that in that time. Because when you when you start to see more history about Africans, it was tribe. Everything was a tribe see? Everything was a tribe. Everybody would have their own like a their own position in the tribe. And, and yeah, in my in my in my family was was women's women's. Mm-hmm. My grandma, the sister of my grandma, my mom. They was the head, and my my aunties. The woman was the head of the of the family in my, my family, and they they did it great. They did it good.
2: How does the fact that that's the way that you grew up? How does that influence how you move in the world? How you use your music? How you interact mm-hmm. with people?
3: Yeah, it's that. That's 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 everything. Because at the end, it's a collective. It's a, it's a big team. Like, I got I got a big team, and every day it's more people in, in the team. But I start to feel pressure at some point. But at the end, it was like yeah, just. Let's just have the tribe mind, the tribe state and it's gonna be fine. And that's the way that we are together mm. with the whole team, with the whole band, which is a tribe. We we, we take care of each other as like family. And we mm. communicate each other as like family and we take we take care of us. We we figure out the way to be connected and be happy together. Mm. The people feel that when, when you make a show, the people feel that we got this connection and we are together. No, we for real together, and they feel that visual, but they feel that in the groove too. And when they feel that, they just want to be part of that because everybody want to be part of be part of, of people, of more. So we just get more and more people into the groove, and you see in the show, 20 minutes after the beginning, everybody just in the tribe state. So it's like everybody just won nobody cares nothing else. Everybody just moving with us and just feeling that groove. That's beautiful. That's amazing.
2: As someone who grew up in a very strong matriarchy, Mm. I understand the influence is powerful. Mm. It's all about you have to put your people first. You have to put you have to put the familia, the tribe, the, the the community first, always.
3: Definitely, that's the only thing that you got.
1: You know, Anna, I've always been moved by the way that Sima Funk and his band have been collecting these fans all around the world, gig by gig. And as you just heard right now, he's just adopting everyone, making everyone part of the tribe. Like that sense of family, that sense of community, as we heard, is driving his mission
2: not only is he so focused on the family element of his music and the way that it brings his band together and the audience together and all of these things, but I was so struck by that moment where he talks about The difference in the crowds he's playing to, too, and the the ways that they respond and connect with the music that he's playing. And to me, that's another level of connection and community building and family, right? Where he's like, no, these are my people and I want to pay attention to, to how they respond and communicate back to me what I'm giving to them. And I just think that that has to be the whole thing, right? Like that's the center of who he is and his music.
1: And that intentionality, the things that he's presenting by way of his music and by way of his band and by way of all of the gigs is something that I think that just gets stronger and stronger. And he's just bringing people together, that sense of community, that sense of family. I think that that's probably the biggest factor behind any and all successes that they're having as they continue to grow and get bigger.
2: Next time you guys play together, I'm invited, right? Yes, you
1: are. Yes. No <laughs> doubt. No doubt. That's going to do it for this week's show want to remind you that you are listening to Alt Latino from NPR Music. Our editor is Hazel Sills, and the woman who keeps us on track is Grace Chung.
2: Our production assistants are Sophia Seidel and Jerusalem Truth.
1: Our jefe in chief is Keith Jenkins, head of NPR Music and Visuals.
2: You have been listening to Alt Latino. Felix, you've been away too long.
1: You have been listening to Alt Latino from NPR Music. I'm Felix Contreras.
2: I'm Ana Maria Sayer.
1: Thank you for listening. Yeah.
0: This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture Card. Earn unlimited 2x miles on every purchase. Plus, earn unlimited 5x miles on hotels and rental cars booked through Capital One Travel. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. This message comes from NPR sponsor, HubSpot. Imagine growing a business with high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. On NPR's Throughline,
1: We cannot function for 24 hours without cobalt Because
3: it's in our smartphone, our tablet, our laptop.
1: And as a consequence, the lives of the people living in that part of the Congo descended into just a catastrophe.
0: Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.